and I would also recommend to listen to some Ukrainian songs because Ukrainian is considered to be, um, if I'm not mistaken, the third most beautiful language in the world. And if you listen to our uh, authentic songs and our modern songs, you can really look deep into our culture and to understand it more. And of course, to visit a lot of uh, beautiful sites in Ukraine, which are the sea, the mountains, the cities. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital Kiev so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life. He always told me many grave things about Ukraine and its people. Then from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19. So this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine. Top 100 travel podcasts in Switzerland. Top 60 travel podcasts in the UK. Top 30 in the Netherlands. Top 25 on Apple Russia and top 20 on Apple Poland. So please keep supporting and go follow the new Instagram about this project, aziz.future. My guest today is originally from Kremenchuk in Ukraine, and her name is Daria Meshiryakova from the Future Leaders Exchange Program in Illinois to being a community volunteer at the U.S. Department of State, from being a translator of TED Talks to write in four research papers for the Junior Academy of Science of Ukraine to Taras Shevchenko National University of Kiev and now studying international relations at LCC International University, Lithuania. She is now an English second language tutor, a TEDx LCC University speaker, a yearbook team member, and one of the organizers of the annual December campaign on LCC International University campus. And she was a finalist at the Genius Olympiad and someone who cares and still cares a lot about the issue of human trafficking. Dasha, how are you today? 
Uh, I'm great, thank you, and I'm truly excited about our conversation today. You are welcome. We're going to have a lot of fun. I am as well happy, enthusiastic, and looking forward to it. So to ask you one specific, specific thing. This last December, you were part of the December annual event, correct? Yeah, 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 that is correct. I want to ask you then, what specific problem did you face? Because every event that is organized will always have a situation where it feels, oh my God, everything will be broken and destroyed. But in the end, like a superhero, you save the day. What kind of thing did you notice was a problem that helped you to learn more and grow as a person? Uh, well, uh, as for the problem of human trafficking, the December campaign uh, is dealing with the, is an annual campaign and it's dealing with the issues of human trafficking and modern slavery around the world. And while most of us live in the pretty safe environment, we don't even realize that around 40 million people worldwide are involved into human trafficking and these huge numbers and more to say, one in four victims are children. And these numbers really shocked me and they impressed me. And by joining the December campaign at my university, LCC International University. Uh, it was my way of showing care and of raising awareness of the issue of human trafficking and trying to raise money to uh, help the survivors so they can start a successful life after they have been victims of human trafficking. I agree with you 100%. I support what you're saying. And even before we continue, let's say some listeners want to donate money to help alleviate and stop and end human trafficking. What are some places or recommended links? Uh, so the recommended link is december.org campaign and I can provide you a link and you can put it in the description of the podcast and yeah you can donate money directly there or uh, also you can find the LCC December campaign link uh, that I also can send and you can donate through that link as well and also yeah one thing to mention why dress amber is it because during December the whole month 31 days uh, the ambassadors of this campaign uh, so females they wear dresses each day of the campaign and males they have to wear a tie or a bow tie to um, show the care and to raise awareness about this issue and so basically that's why it's called the December campaign really so you have 31 dresses or so that you wore in December Actually, no. Uh, December campaign itself, they post some cool ideas on how you can combine and wear the same dress for three days, for example. So in my wardrobe, unfortunately, I don't have 31 dresses, but I have mm, a couple of, so I try to combine them with, with different sweaters, with different jewelry. So it goes well, even if you don't have 31 of them. That's interesting. And you have such a magnificent background. You came from a smaller city to the capital, to the U.S., to 
um, Lithuania, which is like a huge shift in culture in many, many ways. Can you speak about that? A few things. One, how was that move from the U Ukraine to the US? And how is also Ukraine compared to Lithuania culturally, although they're not as far as uh, Ukraine and the US? And to you, did you, what kind of experiences or learning happened because of this uh, movement and travel and living abroad? Okay, thank you for the great question. Uh, yes, so I've been to pretty a lot of places, even though I'm 18 years old right now. So I went to the United States at the um, States at the age of 16 as a part of Future Leaders Exchange Program, and I lived uh, there in a host family for a year. And I went to American high school. And of course, for me, being a 16-year-old teenager, it was a huge shift in cultures. And especially, yeah, living in a host family and the host family, they didn't know any Ukrainian words. They didn't know Ukrainian culture, any dishes. And one of my main reasons why I went to the States was to share Ukrainian culture, to talk about our customs and traditions, to present food, to present our songs. And so talking about cultural differences, of course, uh, they are huge. And one of the probably great exa greatest examples is that in Ukraine, when you are in the stores, uh, nobody usually, people who don't know each other, they usually don't talk to each other. And in the States, especially in the smaller town, and I was uh, in a pretty small town, Chilikothi, which is 6,000 people. And so if you go to the store and if you're standing in line waiting to be uh, served, then any stranger can talk to you. So I would say that um, a big cultural difference is that people um, ask, how are you? How are you doing? What have you been up to? What are the latest news? So people are more open-minded, I would say, in that way. But I think in Ukraine, we also started to do that pretty much recently. So I think uh, Ukrainian people are also started to be more open-minded. One, one second. I have to ask you more. Although you're speaking about it in that way, Kate Gomelyuk or even Nikita, he spoke about this before, that Kate, for example, she said when she went to the US, to New York, People will come and say, how was your day? And when she's about to answer, they already left because they don't care about the response. So they were saying that it's actually fake friendliness because in Ukraine, if someone asks you how you are or smile at you, they mean it. But in the US, it's politeness, but it's not real. It's only some positive uh, face while in reality, they don't really care. And therefore, when they say, how are you? If you begin to answer, they already left you alone. And you're like, what happened? But that's the culture. Is this what you mean? Or was it different in a small town in the US? Wow, I suppose it was different for me because I lived in a small town and people there, a lot of them knew each other. And I think for me, I never felt 
that when I was about to ask a, to answer a question that people didn't care. In my cases, people really did care. And they, if they um, intended to ask, uh, how are you, then uh, they listened to me. So I think that's a difference between New York, of course, the city with millions of people and cultures from all over the world and the small town. I think that's the main reason um, in the size. Yes, and this is good, but I want to know more about Dasha. So this is my question for you. Other than human trafficking, which you even said is pretty recent when you discovered the statistics that 40 million people are victims of it and 10 million of them, since you said one in four, are children, which is very alarming. But other than this, you as Dasha, what really makes you happy? Like what thing that if you did in the day, you feel, ah, my life now, this day is wonderful. Uh, I'm truly passionate about volunteering and community service. And that is something that truly brings me joy. When I help people, when I see that somebody benefits from my words or my work or by listening, for example, to me, then uh, that's the great pleasure. And I feel truly accomplished when I help somebody. Thank you. So specifically, when you see that you have helped other people, you feel accomplished. So it's more about the result of impacting positively the life of other people. Is this a fair understanding? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And to begin, because most such passions begin in childhood, and when you were in your small city, I don't know whether you were involved in community service, but what was something, maybe helping your family, maybe another activity that gave you similar feeling and joy when you were a little girl? Uh, so in our town, I come from Kremenchuk, it's in Poltava region, and it's about 200,000 people, just yeah, a little background. And we have a great uh, non-governmental organization that is called Kremenchuk Youth Parliament. And I started being a volunteer there at the age of 13. And that was my turning point in life, I would say, that helps me to realize my passion for help for people and that uh, understanding that even if you are one person, then you can really make a change in your local community. And I was a member there for four years, helping to organize different campaigns, for example, for uh, children who live in orphanages and for uh, cleaning up campaigns or uh, our annual campaign that's called Heart to Heart, where we also raise money to buy the equipment for the local hospitals uh, in Kremenchuk for the children uh, with different problems, hearing or heart problems. And when I was participating in those actions, I truly felt myself a part of a community. And that volunteering experience helped me in the United States, where I also did a lot of um, community service and a lot of volunteering projects. And I was truly involved. And uh, in the United States, uh, by doing those projects and by helping people, uh, it was my way to show my appreciation to that community that welcomed me for a year to live in that city. 
One second, this is wonderful. And please correct me if this is wrong. But my understanding is that the way you operate or you view the world is that you enjoy being part of a community, but you don't like to be a passive receiver of benefits. In a way, it's by contributing. The more you give to a community, the more you feel you are part of it, and the more that you make people happy and help them, the more you feel welcomed and belonging and that feeling of warm part of uh, connection with the community. Is this a fair understanding? Yeah, that is exactly correct. Uh, I feel that community is very important for me and being connected with people. And also there is uh, such um, a saying that people are divided into three groups, such as uh, givers, uh, matchers and takers and so I believe that I belong to the group of givers so I choose to give my time my attention and by giving something uh, I get that fulfillment and that motivation and encouragement to go further and to do more things Yes, it's not a saying, it's uh, both a TED Talk and a book by Adam Grant about givers, yes, yes, matchers, yes. <laughs> and takers. You said it's a saying. I was thinking, wow, they knew about that 2,000 years ago, but then I remembered, no, I read the book, it's wonderful. To ask you then, this is really good, really, really good, because now I am thinking two things. I want to ask about, I hope it will be simple, I will make it simple. One is, how is your day? I imagine you're really, really busy both. You're busy with studying and you're busy with the things you're involved with and with volunteering and you spend time with friends. So are you super busy that you don't even spend much time to relax and enjoy? So that's the one question to comment on this, please. And the second, to explore the psychology of a giver like you, is it really your big pleasure to give? And even if you, it happens that you meet with some people who don't give back to you, it's not important because to you, the giving is really, really the value and the joy in itself. And therefore, that's to separate a bit whether you're a pure giver or a giver with some mature tendencies that you expect people also to give back to you. Or is it that you don't care as long as you're giving, you feel complete and whole and fulfilled. So two, two things about how busy you are and whether you still put some time for relaxing or, and enjoying, or are you fully busy and fully productive? And the second is about if people don't give back when you give them, does that irritate you or to you it's happy and fulfilling to give no matter what? All right. So yeah, to answer the first question, uh, for me, time management is very important. I even started to uh, do the list for every day, the things that I have to do, and it really helps me. Um, even a month ago, I didn't do it. But now I feel that I have more things that I have to get done. That's why having a list for every day really helps me. And yeah, I'm busy with studying and uh, I'm working and volunteering. But at the same time, I try to find time to relax, to sleep, to meet with my family and with my friends, just simply to listen to music or take a walk. So because, of course, you need to recharge 
and uh, just going 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 of course you will burn out quickly so i'll try i try to relax uh, because i know that i need to um, get energy from somewhere and to answer the second question uh, i don't expect people to give back it's more of a natural feeling and a natural thing for me to give so i don't do it because i expect people to give back i do it just because i love it and i love being part of a bigger community and helping other somebody uh, other than just myself I like that, you know, because the basic framework in psychology and some people are we people, which are community oriented, which I think and I'm assuming it is you and I people who are a bit more selfish and self-focused, but doesn't have to be in a negative way because entrepreneurs and people like that can often be the I people. So it's important to have both kinds in balance and it's wonderful. And to ask you something. I'm very curious about how is making new friends in Ukraine compared to making new friends in the US compared to making new friends in Lithuania? Oh, wow, that is a very interesting question. So uh, first of all, as for friends in Ukraine, I think for me personally, it was more of a long process because um, my friends now are most for most uh, for the biggest part are people who i've been to school with or have done some projects so we have uh, our connection for a lot of years already and as for going to the united states i had to make friends quickly and people were interested because i was an exchange student i was from ukraine and this is the country where um at that time when i was there not a lot of people have heard still of ukraine well uh, they've heard about it but they didn't know uh, many facts or um, many historical figures from ukraine so they showed uh, their sincere interest in knowing me and um the friendship there i cannot say that it was difficult for me to make friends but as for now um, i have come back from the states about two years ago and i um, keep in touch with a few people i think it's about five people and my host family so i would say that from a group of people from a group of friends that i had there for it was a big group of friends so now it's slower and lower but i'm really grateful for the people who are staying with me and uh, having conversations because i know that these are the people that i can rely on and as for my experience in lithuania uh, most of my friends there are people from university of course and the thing is with people from university is that most of us uh, we are driven by similar ideas and a lot of people they look in the same direction of the future goals of helping other people of being active citizens of participating and so for me it wasn't difficult to make friendship there and i would say that uh, friendships at university when you build friendships you uh, also know that this connection will be a long-term connection because you know that uh, you for sure will have more years with these people do, doing all the projects and then you know that even though we will go to different paths 
we will still keep in touch because we will have a lot to share about our future universities, about our uh, jobs and about our future projects. Wonderful. I'm hearing two things. And please, I don't know if you're taking notes. Do if you can or pay attention because I will summarize. But I want to ask about two things. Yes, for you, uh, similar values, similar views, similar perspectives is important for friendships, etc. But it seems to me that the number one criteria for a valuable relationship for you is time. That the longer time you know someone and you communicate, the more that is feels or like a stronger relationship. Is this correct understanding of the way that you view friendships, etc.? And second, no, wait, I know you're going to answer. <laughs> second, how do you maintain long distance friendships? Because most people will have a problem with it. They will think, wow, it's not the same. And because of the long distance, it might not be the communication is over text or virtual. It's not the same as in person, of course, and always. Uh, so, okay, comment on this. I have a third question, but I'll ask it later. Okay, so as for keeping a, a long-distance relationship, uh, so you have to keep in touch and you have to understand that if you want to save relationship with this person, that you need to uh, give time into keeping the relationship. Because if you give time and the other person gives your time and attention and care, then of course you will save those relationships and you will make it even stronger through the time. And yes, you're answering. You said faith. time, time. You said give time, make it <laughs> yeah, stronger yeah, yeah. through time. <laughs> so. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, also to add to the first question, if you... I truly um, appreciate being trustful in relationship with people, so people who I can trust. And of course, building trust takes a lot of time. And so, yeah, I truly appreciate deep connections, trustful connections, and it takes a lot of time to build them. Wonderful. So now I'm imagining because many people say that the stereotype or the way of Slavic people in general is that they don't open up to someone and make a friendship easily, but when they do, it's for life and it's very strong. So to ask you about something unrelated, because if you mentioned it on this podcast, like Olga Kushnir and Emily Cairns, do you have a very serious face when you are just relaxing? And then sometimes people will say, wow, why is she so serious and not smiling, but inside you can be happy or have any emotions, but your face looks very serious. Is this your situation? And or is this something you notice about Ukrainian and maybe Lithuanian people? Or is the new generation different? Uh, to be honest, I truly notice that in myself. Um, and, and yeah, because when I hear some positive news, 
I can be truly happy inside and I'm very happy inside. But on the outside, yeah, I can keep my face just a serious one. And some people, they might assume that I am not happy or have some bad intentions or bad feelings. But of course, it's not because, yeah, just it's just my face. Uh, and but on the inside, I'm like on the cloud nine of happiness. And I cannot say about all people in Ukraine. I don't really um, notice that particular pattern, but I can notice that pattern about myself. And uh, as for Lithuanian people, um, I can say that um, Ukrainian cultures and Lithuanian cultures are pretty similar in that way. And maybe, yeah, in some way, uh, people from these cultures, we tend to be um, more strict, I would say, and yeah, show our emotions on the inside, but then take time to show our emotions on the outside. Wonderful. And now I have to ask you, you mentioned to relax, you like to go for a walk. So I have to ask two questions. One, are you more of an extrovert or are you more of an introvert and you like time maybe alone or with friends in nature and you like to read books a lot or you like loud noises and places full of people before Corona at least <laughs> and things like that. So that's one question. Please remember it. It's introvert or extrovert. And the second, I notice that you use a lot of metaphors that relate to visual thinking as well as metaphors that relate to embodiment. So I have to ask you, are you a visual thinker? Is it very easy for you to imagine all kinds of visual things? Maybe when you read a book, you imagine the scene like a movie, which I was surprised to discover many people in the world don't have that. They don't see the images, for example, when they read, they feel the, the action, etc. So that's also my other thing. Are you a, a visual person? or an embodied person and you like to do, for example, yoga and maybe dance and you enjoy body movement a lot because you use metaphors of both types. So it's good to understand. Again, to remind you is about introvert versus extrovert. And the second is about visual or uh, kinesthetic or embodied. Okay, so answering the first question, I would consider myself an extrovert. I like being around people and I can feel energy of those people and I can also recharge myself by being with people. But on the other hand, uh, sometimes I need time for myself and yeah, when I go for a walk, I can go just by myself and I usually don't think about anything. I just walk. I just, you know, breathe fresh air uh, and that helps me to relax as well. But um, if to compare, yeah, like extrovert and introvert, of course, uh, I can see myself being more of an extrovert, but some part of me is a little bit introverted because uh, I still need a little bit time for myself and just being just on my own. And so you're ambivert. Okay, I've never heard that before, but yeah, I would say that, yeah. 
Uh, and answering the second question, no, actually I am not visual person at all. It's very difficult for me to imagine some pictures in my head, some things. Yeah, I'm more of an embodiment person. I like actions, I like movements. I used to do ballroom dancing when I was a child, so it was also a big part of my life of being child, and maybe it affects me in some ways right now. And for instance, when I read the book um, again it's difficult for me to imagine the pictures in my head that's why it's easier for me to watch a movie to imagine uh, some characters wow i have to ask then because normally people who are very embodied like you you feel sensations very strong and this can be manifested in a way for example if you're on the metro and if something touches you or a strange person is too near it might feel uncomfortable only because the sensations are too strong or if you go let's say to the beach or to the mountain and you feel the breeze it feels like heaven and much stronger than other people can you comment on this a bit more as well as do you make time even now to do some embodied things like gymnastics or stretching or yoga or life is too busy that that part now is not the priority but someday you might return to action and activity with your body like dance and yoga etc uh, okay so answering the first question i would say it's 50 50 both um it's heaven for me when I'm in the nature, especially somewhere near mountains. It would be uh, the perfect time for me. But on the other hand, uh, yeah, I do feel um, sensations in a strong way. But uh, of course, if these are standing next to each other, yeah, people who I don't know, of course, it would be a little bit strange. But yeah, if these are people that I know, then of course it's okay. And also answering the second question, um, I have, as of right now, and because of the quarantine, we are a little bit stuck at our homes most of the times. And so I sit a lot during my studies, during my work, and I feel that I need to exercise. So I try to do daily workouts at home uh, just to keep my body um, in shape and also just to relax and get away maybe from some thoughts and just to do some hard workouts. Great. And now I'm very curious because I had the interview with Valerie, who is the CEO of Drone Ukraine, which is a very successful robotics company. But he said about Ukraine that it's like a fairy tale when you look outside at how beautiful the nature is. And maybe he said many Ukrainians are not happy, but they don't appreciate that they live in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. So my question to you is two parts, but it's one question. What is your favorite place to take a walk and enjoy maybe nature or part of Kiev when you are in Kiev? And near your university, when you want to take a walk, what is your favorite place to take a walk? Maybe some people from LCC are listening and they will discover a new place. So that's maybe one. Or what is your favorite natural place in Ukraine in general? Maybe it's Carpathians. Maybe it's another part that maybe you can share and talk about. 
Yeah, for sure. So as for Kyiv, uh, honestly, I haven't been to Kyiv for, for a year already for um, some visitor uh, things. So, but in Kyiv, it would probably be just the downtown of Kyiv because mostly when I'm in Kyiv, I like to hang out with people. And uh, as for my university, and Lithuania is very famous for its forests, for the nature, and of course for the Baltic Sea. And my university is located in Klaipeda, which is on the Baltic Sea coast. And if I would like to take a walk, or if I want to hang out with friends, then uh, our number one thing, a number one place to go to is of course the Baltic Sea. It's just 30 minutes away from our LCC campus. And while we take a walk, we go through the forest. So it's just a breathtaking view. And uh, I truly recommend everybody who go to, who come to Lithuania, go there and enjoy the forest views and enjoy uh, the view of the sea because Every day you come there, every day is different. And as for my favorite place in Ukraine, yeah, you guessed it correct, is Carpezian Mountains. Uh, I truly love that place. And I wish I could go there in winter uh, to ski, but already not this season, but maybe next season it will be possible. And yeah, again, I believe that it's a great touristic attraction and I suggest and advise everybody to go there and to see this breathtaking views of uh, mountains. I like your answer and now I'm thinking really you mentioned specifically you said at 13 when you began involve your involvement with the NGO in your small city that was a turning point in your life. So I want to ask specifically how were you as a little girl before that? Maybe you were shy, maybe you were not. Compared to today at 18, are you more confident? And even more specifically, and please go deep to answer this, if you were going to give one or two pieces of advice to yourself at 12 or 11, and you could return back in time and give to yourself this advice, what would it be? All right, so to answer the first question, uh, then being involved in community service and meeting so many people, of course, it made me more open-minded, more confident, more independent, and that independence and that confidence allowed me to go further, to participate in uh, bigger levels of projects, and of course, it helped me to gain leadership skills, and it helped me to gain public speaking skills, which helps me right now almost every day in my day communication and in other projects such as uh, different public speaking competitions and my um, um, my TEDx speech that was recently at LCC University so yeah that was a turning pointing point for me at that age of 13 when I just joined that non-governmental organization Kremenchukyas Parliament because before that I was mostly involved in studies and um, I didn't really think about community service and going out of my comfort zone. Let's say it like that. Yes, and if you were to give a piece of advice to yourself at 11 or 10, 
something you learned about life through your experience that would be valuable to share, what would it be? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, I would say, say yes to opportunities, to say yes to things that approach you. And another piece of advice is that if you knock on the door and the door is not opening, then it's it's not your door because there will be another door that will open the way for you even before you start knocking on it. So I would say this two pieces of advice I would give myself when I was little. It reminds me of that Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man, where he said yes to everything. And I agree with you. Yes, because in reality, we think we will know what will happen if we say yes to something. And we think, no, it won't be that good. But in reality, we don't know. It's like you said about that door. Sometimes we don't know what is behind the door. And it can be much better or much worse than we expect. But life is about that journey of discovering learning and being open to new things because the only way to have something new is to try something new yes exactly yeah that is the point of life and that the point to enjoy the journey and i think um our generation uh, of people i think we are too focused just on having a result uh, constantly instantly when we just done some action done some project done activity we want the result but often uh, we forget about the journey and the that process and we forget to enjoy it so yeah i would agree on your point and uh, also i would agree that saying yes to everything to new opportunities will help you in life and will help you to open even more doors yes and you see i'm saying yes (laughs) no no (laughs) it's funny but look to me i even change it even further because like you said people are too focused on outcomes but in reality outcomes are meaningless if tomorrow you win the lottery and you become a millionaire well you will probably lose it all to me the only valuable outcome i focus on is becoming a better stronger smarter more kind person because of saying yes and because of the journey so it's not what did i have it's who did i become that i wanted to become because of the experience and to me that is a true valuable outcome and it's something i can control not wait for like something that can be impacted by luck and i was once speaking to an american football coach and i gave him this example and he agreed with me i said sometimes you can play basketball and you play perfectly, but you cannot score. It just doesn't work. And other times you play very badly and you're tired, but every throw you throw, it's like three points and you win. So which one is better? To me, I will say it's giving your best shot, doing the process in a way that is satisfying to you. And even if you lose, you actually win because you are a better person who did things correctly. In my perspective, that makes you a person who is like more in doing the things to become a better person rather than getting the results, but you played in a bad way that doesn't make you happy or satisfied or proud. And to ask you, you can comment on this, but you shared a lot of the culture of Ukraine, 
you spoke a lot about Ukraine, etc. Imagine there is someone listening now who doesn't know anything about Ukraine or the Ukrainian people. What would you say to them so that they have an idea and understanding about who are Ukrainian people and what is really the culture of Ukraine and your favorite things and ideas about it? All right, so that's a very broad question. And the first thing that comes to mind uh, is people. And people in Ukraine are truly unique and very hospitable. And if a foreigner comes to Ukraine, uh, I think that everyone will be welcomed. And um, in a couple of years ago, I attended a couple of uh, Peace Corps camps, which are organized by American volunteers who come to Ukraine. And when I spoke to them, um, they said that yeah, Ukrainian people are very hospitable and they enjoyed uh, living also with Ukrainian people. So I would say that if any foreigner comes to our country, they would also enjoy the hospitality. And I would also recommend to listen to some Ukrainian songs because Ukrainian is considered to be, um, if I'm not mistaken, the third most beautiful language in the world. And if you listen to our uh, authentic songs and our modern songs, you can really look deep into our culture and to understand it more. And of course, to visit a lot of uh, beautiful sites in Ukraine, which are the sea, the mountains, the cities, and uh, even not the huge cities such as Kharkiv, Yelvi, Odessa, Kiev, because a lot of people know about them, but even such smaller towns as Kremenchik, because in our town, we have our national, um, our city parks. Uh, we have a lot of uh, projects that are being done and implemented. And if any person comes to Ukraine and if any person comes to Kremlinchuk, I think they would be able to gain some insights of uh, our authentic culture and of the activities that we are doing and maybe even go there back to their countries and their communities and try to uh, implement those things that they have seen in Ukraine. I love that. So you're actually saying that rather than Ukrainians going outside to learn from the world more, there is a lot more that the world can learn from Ukrainians and from their hospitality and kindness and from Ukraine, correct? And then after that, I have a question, but is this a correct understanding? Yes, yes, it is a very correct understanding. I believe that Ukrainian people are truly intelligent and we have a lot of inventions. And uh, I am following the Junior Academy of Sciences of Ukraine. This is yeah, a project and this is an organization that helps to discover young talents. And uh, by looking at them, you can see that our Ukrainian teenagers and Ukrainian young adults, they have a lot of invention, they have a lot of things to show our world. And so, yeah, there is definitely a lot to learn from Ukrainian people. Then I'm curious, Kremenchu, correct? Is it in the east or the south considered? I know where it is in the map, but is that considered like the southeast of Ukraine or the east, because I want to ask about the language. And you spoke about Ukrainian and that it's a beautiful language. And yes, of course, 
but my understanding is that part of Ukraine they would speak more Russian. Can you comment on whether in your family you grew up speaking Russian or Ukrainian and whether the whole town, uh, they speak more Russian or Ukrainian? And is this something that is a factor when it comes to the culture or is just another language and to you there is no real cultural impact? Uh, so Ukraine, so Kremlinchuk is considered to be a central part of Ukraine, and yeah, historically, uh, Kremlinchuk is a Russian-speaking town, and most of the people speak Russian. Uh, my family is a Russian-speaking family, but yeah, of course, in a family we speak Russian. But when I go outside, um, I try to. Uh, speak Ukrainian and for example if I give any presentations then I would use Ukrainian language and if I talk to um, foreigners or if I'm working then I also use Ukrainian language and um, for me of course having a conflict um, on the um, eastern parts of Ukraine with Russia of course there is a, a cultural and language aspect but um in my family yeah we used we are used to speaking russian so it would be very difficult to change our uh, speaking habits if we've done that for a lot of years but yeah i would encourage people uh, to uh, try to use more ukrainian or if you are a foreigner coming to ukraine then i would suggest started learning ukrainian because of the the beautifulness of this language and of the songs that you can hear in Ukrainian. Yes, and to play the devil's advocate a little bit on the language learning, to me as a foreigner, there are at least 100 different courses in Russian from beginner to advanced. While about Ukrainian, outside of Ukraine at least, if I wish to learn it, there are maybe four courses and they're all for beginners. So it's not possible to really master Ukrainian from outside unless maybe you hire a tutor and then it also becomes a human difficulty level because with the Russian you can have like five different courses and a tutor and then you can when you're not speaking to the tutor you can be learning whether Asimil which is the French language uh, program or Pimsleur which also I mean Asimil is to learn Russian in the, with the French language or Pimsleur, which is English uh, to learn Russian or uh, even Michel Thomas. Uh, I don't know, you don't know him, but he's from Poland originally and he was in the U.S. Or a billion other ways to speak that language. Well, if I wanted to learn Ukrainian, there is only introduction to Ukrainian by Pimsleur. And I think... Um, there is a colloquial speaking, which is from the Scandinavian region, which is a beginner introduction to Ukrainian and mostly like some small Ukrainian children books. <laughs> That's basically it. So it's very difficult and as beautiful as it is, I hope someday there will be a development in Ukrainian companies that create languages, uh, language courses for English speakers to learn Ukrainians because it basically doesn't exist. The only way is to go to italki or uh, one of those places to get an online tutor. And then it's also the problem with human that you don't know. Maybe it's a great teacher or maybe it's someone who's just uh, not 
uh, so great, but that's the only thing they can do is to become a language teacher. And that's a bad factor in all of the teaching in life that many teachers choose it as a profession rather than a passion and love. Do you have a comment on this? And any final concluding advice to listeners that you wish to share with the world? All right. So, yeah, I do have a comment on that. So I recently started learning French uh, just for myself on Duolingo, which is a free app. And I've noticed that um, in the list of languages, the Ukrainian language is 97% completed. So I truly hope that this course soon will be completed on 100% and also will be available for people who uh, want to learn Ukrainian. And yeah, that um, I truly agree about human factor, and but I also hope that uh, more um, Ukrainian language opportunities will develop. And also from my side, uh, as I am a TED Talks translator, uh, I when I do translations, I translate from English into Ukrainian because yeah, my um, desire is to spread global powerful ideas to ukrainian people and also for people who are learning ukrainian so when listening to a dead dogs for instance then you can also try to learn some ukrainian words by listening and by reading the subtitles so i think that could be also a way of uh, learning some ukrainian vocabulary and ukrainian words and at the same time increasing the level of your um, awareness about the world and learning about the topics that you are interested in and as for the final comments i would just um, invite any foreigners any people who are interested in ukraine to uh, come and explore this country not think about some stereotypes that might be somewhere in the air that we all heard of but truly come and explore uh, our country our people our traditions go see different sightseeing and also as for any listeners ukrainian or foreigners who are listening to this i would also say that yeah if you see uh, a chance if you see the opportunity then go and take it because we have only one life only one journey and the more you take the more you gain then the more memories you will have in the end i agree with you more than you expect to me the real value in life is not things it's the memories that we will cherish forever and i will not conclude because what this means is that you also live life based on some kind of uh, small fear or big fear that time will be lost and gone, as well as linking it to friendships and trust. They develop through time. It seems to me now it's not only about relationships, but to you a huge factor in life is time, that you want to use time well, that you don't want to waste time, that you don't want time to pass away without enjoying it, that you want to say yes more so that more time is spent in those exciting adventures that will turn into memories. Is this a fair understanding or not? 
totally 100% correct understanding because time is a very valuable resource and we can use it as much as possible in the ways that we enjoy our time either it's learning or either it's meeting with your family your friends and of course in every process that you do yeah to make memories and just to enjoy and the moment that you're in I like that. Enjoy the moment. So I have to ask two things. I know it's done, but no, this is so fascinating. One, are you into meditation and presence in the moment? And as someone embodied, usually you tend to be more present in the now rather than thinking too much about the past and the future. So please comment on this, as well as if you can share, because one of the definition of mediocrity is that most people in the world don't value time. So what was the belief or the understanding that lets you think, wow, time is so valuable, I have to use it in an optimal, happy, satisfying, productive way? All right, so uh, to be honest, I don't practice meditation. Um, I'm not very familiar with it, but uh, I try to live in the moment because um, I recently just a couple of months ago i caught myself in a thought that i'm when i'm doing something i'm always thinking about okay what's next what is the next step what is the next person i'm going to meet was it what is the next project i'm going to do but then i realized well no that's not the correct uh, approach to that and right now i'm trying to enjoy uh, the moment more and just to be present and to remember as many details from the moment as i can and commenting on the issue of time it's just um, i have done a lot of things in my life and when, when i'm looking back i'm thinking oh it's gone so fast, like a year in the United States, all the projects, uh, my freshman year that is almost coming to an end, it's all um, passing so fast. And looking back, I understand that time is very valuable and time is passing so quickly that we, we even don't always notice that. So that's why I have that understanding that we should use it as much as possible in many different ways. I agree with you. That is so wise. And even this whole winter with Corona and lockdown, it feels like one day that doesn't end and time is passing way too fast, especially when you are immersed in what you do. Really, the day feels like 30 minutes or something and it's crazy and not so good. I wish the day felt like 10 years. That would be wonderful. And meditation helps with that because the more I meditate, the more time feels like slower and that is really valuable. Please, Dasha. If people want to communicate with you and learn more about you and maybe some links to your projects that you like as well, what, where should they go? Which links or social media is the best to communicate with you? And which websites? You mentioned also, of course, before one uh, that deals with uh, human trafficking and I will write it, but good to repeat again. Uh, so I'm always open to communication to meet new people so anyone who is interested uh, 
can contact me on LinkedIn and I will provide the link or on Instagram or Facebook I will also provide the links and yeah I will also send the link to the December campaign which fights for human trafficking and anyone who is interested in just learning more about this issue about some data or of course who is interested in donating um, can go through that link and find out more. Thank you, and I wish you a day that is productive, happy, peaceful, and full of meaningful memories. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure to uh, have uh, you today and communicate with you today. It was uh, really, really, really enjoyable.